to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. If you have your Bible or if you want to turn to it on a tablet or something, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verse 7. I want to thank Pastor Chris for allowing me to have the opportunity to minister this morning. I never take it for granted. We have some great preachers around here. So anytime I get to share, it's, it's a humbling experience, and I'm so thankful. And um, we're going to be intentional about the service time today, so I'm not going to go super long, but I want to minister to you, and I believe God's given us a word of encouragement today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, to keep me from being conceited or arrogant. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful time of worship that we've had together. Thank you for your presence that we can feel right now. And I just thank you for each person that's come today, each person that's watching online. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would anoint me to minister, God. Uh, to share this word of encouragement that I believe you've given me for this congregation this morning and that not one person would leave or get off the live stream this morning without being built up, encouraged, and Lord, without knowing that you're right there with them and they can face anything, God, when they face it with you. We thank you for it this morning, Jesus, and it's your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, I asked a, a friend last service, How'd it go? What'd you think? Did I, did I do okay? And he said, the only thing is you fidgeted with your shirt the whole time. And my wife told me I was going to do that. So I'm going to get all my fidgeting out right now. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to try not to fidget. But we've just come out of two months of quarantine and shelter in place. And I don't know about you, but I've been going a little stir crazy, you know. It's been quite a wild ride. Some of you know we recorded several services while we were uh, away, and some of those services we recorded as late as midnight. Uh, one night, I came in, and I'm Mr. Super Professional, and I just, you know, have got it going on. So I came in thinking, man, we're going to nail this. We're just going to do it right. And I kept hitting the wrong button. <laughs> and so every time I would hit the button at the wrong time, we'd have to start over again and over and then I would do it again. And so about 12, 13, 14 times later, hour had gone by, two hours had gone by. We finally got started and finished up that service. And boy, we knew those songs by the, like the back of our hands. So it's good to be back in person with you today, worshiping God together in his house. You know, another thing that happened during the quarantine is the salons were closed down. And, uh, you know, I used to go to the salon several years ago when I was trying to craft a certain image. And somewhere along the way, I just decided that I was more of a Great Clips man. So I just, you know, I, I don't need, I just, you know, you get it. But uh, 
So, I've always been blessed with a really full head of hair. But after 8, 10, 12 weeks with no haircut, my hair was just massive. You could have driven into my hair and set up camp for the night. It was crazy. So I got the wild idea that um, I could do what any reasonable human being would do. I would watch a YouTube video and buy a set of clippers. And so I did. And I thought, man, I can do this all by myself. No problem. And I did. So what you see today before you is a Billy Jump original haircut. Now, I did get Lindsay to help me trim the back of my head. She did awesome. She did a great job. But I got the bold idea from another video that I was going to shape it. And I was going to make it. Man, it was going to be awesome. And I get the clippers in my hand, and I've got my dual mirrors, and I go to the back, and I put a big old slice in the back of my head. And there I'm missing this hair, so now I've got to go even shorter in the back. Any rational person would have put the clippers down. But I proceeded to go to the front of my face now, and I clipped off my left sideburn. So here I am with no sideburn and a big old thing in the back of my head, and I've got to take off the right sideburn now. And I'm telling you, it has been something else. But I figure I've got about $40 invested in these clippers, so that's about four weeks, maybe four haircuts. So that's about another two months worth of haircuts that you get to see me do some pretty creative things. So um, just get ready for that. I'm going to be cutting my own hair for a while. But uh, as silly as that is, I know, um, you know, these kind of things, funny things happen in my life, but I know the quarantine wasn't all fun and games for everybody. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I just, as I was thinking about our congregation today, I'm sure there's people who have lost their jobs or maybe you've been furloughed. And I'm sure there are business owners this morning who have shut the doors or maybe you're relying on loans just to keep the doors open, keep everything afloat. I'm sure there are people in here or people listening online that have stretched their savings to the max. And you're looking at June wondering how you're going to make it. Um, maybe you lost a loved one during this time. I know I went to a couple of, of uh, outdoor funerals. Or maybe you've got a loved one who's in the hospital, somebody sick. And, and Lindsay and I know um, she had to go to the emergency room while we were um, going through all this. And, and I get up there with her and they said, no, sir, you have to wait outside. And that was just, that was a devastating feeling for us both because I had to watch her walk in and I had to stay out. And I know some of you have gone through that. So it's been a, a very, a very serious time. And I know still some people, I've talked to several of our senior adults, they've been isolated and they've been alone and they haven't had any contact. And, you know, after a while of isolation, being by yourself, you start to just feel lonely and just you can feel that anxiety and that even depression may be creeping up. And I'm sure there's people here today that are looking back two months ago wondering, man, why is life it's just so different than it was just a couple months ago? But I imagine um, that uh, it's in these times that Satan tries to tell us. He tries to come against us and convince us that we're not who we thought we were in the Lord. He comes in and he tries to convince us that God doesn't really love us. Perhaps he has lied to you and told you you're not blessed and highly favored, but you're broke, busted, and disgusted. I imagine this is how Paul felt. 
in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I like to give a little bit of background, you know, when I teach or preach uh, in my messages, because I know not all of us have been raised the same way. Maybe you don't know who the Apostle Paul is. You might be looking at me like, who's that guy? I don't know anything about Paul. Uh, so I, I still even get these important biblical figures mixed up sometimes. So I want to just share a little bit with you about Paul. I've talked about Paul before, and I enjoy reading about Paul. He is one of the most important figures in Christian history. The Apostle Paul wrote a major portion of the New Testament in the Bible. His writings, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are the foundation upon which many of our Christian beliefs are built. And though Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples, he did have a radical encounter with Jesus, which changed his life. He became known for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. It wouldn't be an exaggeration today to say that the Apostle Paul is a hero of the Christian faith. But in this passage, he is under attack. He has been out planning churches. He's been doing the work of the ministry, but he has to come back to Corinth because some of the people there are being led astray. And he's in this position where he's having to defend his apostleship or, or he's having to defend his ministry against a group of false prophets that had infiltrated the church at Corinth. And they accused Paul of being weak or ignorant, and, and they even inferred that perhaps Paul wasn't a true apostle because of the suffering he had endured at different times in his ministry. And all, while they're, all the while they're spreading this false gospel, they're actually servants of Satan disguised as apostles of Jesus. So it's really the enemy that's attacking Paul and coming against his ministry. So Paul begins to talk to these false prophets, and he tells them about visions of things he has seen in the Spirit. He says, if anyone could boast, I, Paul, could boast, and I could brag about the things that I've seen in the Spirit, and, and I could brag about my spiritual standing with the Lord. Yet Paul doesn't boast about his accomplishments or about his spiritual status. Instead, he boasts about his suffering. And so I want to just say, I believe this is an important truth of this passage today. You know, we all experience suffering. Paul is no stranger to suffering. Throughout his writing, Paul talks about times he was imprisoned. He was beaten, rejected, put on trial. You name it, Paul experienced suffering all throughout his life and ministry. In fact, suffering is a major theme in the New Testament. Even in those days so long ago, people grappled with the reason for suffering. None of us feel like we deserve to suffer, and we don't want our loved ones to be sick or to die or, or anything bad to happen to anyone, but suffering is a part of our lives sometimes. Even if you study the life of Jesus, you will see that Jesus lived a life of suffering. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah wrote about Jesus saying, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. As we hid, and we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. If you continue to read Isaiah chapter 53, you see Isaiah prophesy that Jesus would be 
wounded and chastised and oppressed. He would bear our sins and carry our sorrows. He paid the price for our peace. And when you read the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, after he is resurrected, but before he ascends into heaven, you read that the people struggled with the idea that Jesus had suffered so much. They did not understand why Jesus, the Messiah, had to die. But of course, we know that Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our salvation. He suffered for us. But if we look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul writes specifically about his suffering. He says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, we can't be 100% sure what this thorn in the flesh was, but most scholars agree it was some sort of a physical handicap, whether it was painful or if it was just some kind of a major hindrance to Paul's ministry, we know that it caused him some suffering. Even though we don't know what the identity is of the thorn for sure, one thing is for sure, we can all identify with pain, with suffering, uh, with disappointments, things that happen in our lives, circumstances we don't understand. What is interesting to me in this passage is that Paul doesn't complain about his suffering. But he offers us the surprising explanation that his suffering or this thorn in his flesh was given to him to keep him humble. I like what the Message Bible says. It says, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Yet the human side of Paul did exactly what we do when we are in a time of crisis, when we're suffering when our backs are against the wall. Verse 8 says, Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He prayed to the Lord three times that this thorn in the flesh would be taken from him, but that is not what happened. God could have removed this pain from his life and given him relief to carry on his work But that's not what happened. And this is true in our lives sometimes. We pray over and over again, asking God for answers or relief or even deliverance, and we just want him to pull us out of that circumstance. And if it doesn't come just the way we expect it to, it may even feel like our prayers are not being answered. Have you ever been there before? just feels like maybe God doesn't hear our prayer. I know there's times in my life where I have faced situations and prayed for God to deliver me from my circumstances, but he didn't answer it the way I thought he would. Uh, I remember nearly 10 years ago, I was working for a healthcare company that changed ownership, and my position within the company was eliminated. Now, any of you that know me, I was actually working in a business office, which is totally bizarre for me. Um, and I had these two coworkers. They were in their 60s, really nice ladies. And I came in one morning, and I, I did what I call around the office the stretch and scream, where I stretch out my arms and scream really loud. And the first time I did that with these ladies, they came out of their chair, and they said, what was that? 
oh, that's the stretching screen. So I still do that to this day, by the way. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I, I had lost this job because they changed ownership. They eliminated my position. And uh, I was out on my own for the first time with my brothers. We had a little rental house, and I had all these you know, bills to pay. I didn't know what I was going to do. I interviewed for a position at a church up in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, that's, well, I, that's, I, I guess I could go ahead and tell you that story. Uh, the way that worked out, um, it was a really awkward experience. I, 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 did, I had even less experience than I do now. Sometimes I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but I got up there and began to rehearse with this band, and I thought, oh, Lord, I'm in over my head. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got to the hotel room that night because the next morning I had to be the guest worship leader. And, man, it was just like, oh, here's Billy Jump, and I'm so, oh, Lord, help me. And um, I prayed that night, Lord, I'll never do this again. I will never put myself in this situation again if you will just get me out of this or get me through this. And uh, the next day I showed up to church, and we started singing a a song, you probably wouldn't know it. We used to sing it all the time up in Ohio. It was just said, you are a mighty God. You are a mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Yes, you are a mighty God. And I started, I was playing the keyboard and singing, and I started dancing. <laughs> so now I'm singing, dancing, playing. Then the praise team starts dancing. The choir starts dancing. People start running all over the building. And we sang that song for about two and a half hours. And the pastor had an altar call and a prayer line. And Man, it was awesome, but they hired somebody else. Uh, they, uh, they hired a guy from right there in the church, which I understood. But that didn't solve my problem. <laughs> you know, here I was with, without any prospects. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I'd recently become reacquainted with the owner of a music store where I lived. Uh, he'd known me since I was just 12 years old. And he invited me to come work for him full time, so I didn't have any other options. I went to, to work for him, but I knew I was going to be paid far less than what, a, what he could pay me, um, what I needed. He was going to pay me far less than what I needed. But it wasn't long after that that a pastor of a small congregation just several blocks from our little rental house I shared with my brothers called and asked me to come be the part-time minister of music at his church. And at first, I was completely opposed to it. I was attending the church I grew up in, and it was a very large church, and I mean, I love being a part of it. I actually told this pastor no like two or three times, but a month or so went by, and I started getting a little, a burden for that little church, and I would drive by at night on my way home from my full-time job and think, man, I just, you know, maybe I need to go to work there, and I finally called the pastor back and asked for a meeting, and I told him that uh, I wasn't sure why, I just knew I needed to come to work for him there. But during this same time frame, I was working 12-hour shifts, six days a week, barely making ends meet, and I knew that there was a ministry calling on my life, so I wasn't fulfilled on top of all that. And I prayed many times for God to give me a different job, but it wasn't long after I accepted the part-time position there at the church near my home uh, that the, my boss at the music store, he called me in, and he said, we're going to cut your hours and give you a raise. And, um, you know, I, I just, any commitments you make with that part-time job at the church, we're going to honor those, whatever you need to do. So they shared me for about five years. I worked both of those jobs, seven days a week, 
God blessed me in a way I never could have imagined. But he didn't take me out of the situation. He didn't do what I thought he was going to do or maybe even what I wanted him to do. But he did make me more aware of his grace. And he gave me the strength I needed to get through each day. And then he brought me to high praises, and I've been here almost five years. Isn't that unbelievable? Um, to think about how quickly time passes. But here's what I really love about this passage in 2 Corinthians. We have learned that Paul is smack dab in the middle of defending himself against a satanic attack on his life and ministry. And then we read that Paul is suffering from some kind of affliction, and he admits that he has asked the Lord to take this pain, this hindrance away from him, but the Lord hasn't taken it from him. This is my favorite part. In verse 9, Jesus speaks to Paul. Jesus speaks to Paul. Paul writes in verse 9, And he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And one translation says, For my power works best in weakness. Now, this may not be the answer you want, but sometimes it is the answer you and I need. I want to share this with you this morning. God has not forgotten about you. Amen. God has not forgotten about you. You might be going through a really dark time right now. Maybe you are okay financially, but your body is in constant pain. Or maybe you feel okay physically, but you're having problems in your marriage or any other list of things. No matter what you're facing this morning, he is there and he is offering you more and more grace. God has not forgotten about you. And finally, Paul writes, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, I don't think for one second that God wanted Paul to suffer. I don't think God wants you to suffer. As a matter of fact, I know he doesn't want you to suffer. He wants to give you hope today. Paul knows this very well, and he writes in a parallel passage in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, but we also glory in tribulations and sufferings, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. I think the reason we find hope in our suffering is because it is in these times that we are the most vulnerable and humble. And humility is one of the, the most important virtues of a Christian walk. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-6 through six said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Being a follower of Christ is not about accumulating all the possessions you can get your hand on. It's not about doing, getting a better job or getting a bigger house or being famous. It is about submitting yourself to Christ and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. Then he 
will give you the grace and the strength you need to make it through. Amen? Paul ends the whole passage, this, this passage that I'm reading from in 2 Corinthians, with a statement in verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, Paul could have gotten angry and gone on a rant against God because here he was. All he's doing is trying to spread the gospel. He's building churches. He's teaching people. I don't think he necessarily, you know, he was a human. I don't know that he wanted to be there having to address these issues. I'm sure there maybe could have been some frustration. But rather, he recognizes that on his own, he is nothing. But in Christ, he is strong. I believe the Apostle Paul chose to draw near to God right in the midst of his circumstances. And that is a choice that you and I can make today. Another one of my favorite passages of Scripture is James chapter 4. It says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then it says a few verses down, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Make yourself like nothing. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And you'll receive grace and strength and peace and power from him. Sometimes we experience suffering, but our suffering is really an opportunity to submit our will and our feelings and our emotions and our circumstances to God. And let him in all his power and all his wisdom give us the grace and the strength we need to make it through. Amen? Amen. Now, I know that I'm not the most charismatic, you know, dancing around, uh, you know, whatever. I love those kind of preachers, man. Oh, man, I love them. But I just, that's not me. I just got to be me. So I know it's quiet, but I want you to think about this. When I was studying for this message, I came across something I have never thought about before. We talked about Jesus, and we recognized that he suffered while he was on this earth. And before he was crucified, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. If you read the account of this night, Jesus prayed to his father three times. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. You know, Jesus was fully God, so he, I think he knew the pain that he was about to endure, but he was fully man, and he knew how terrible it would be. But he also knew that he came to die for your sins and my sins so that we could be reconciled to God, our Father. We know that Jesus was tempted in all points, yet he was without sin. He knows what it is like to live a human life. What if 
And, and I'm taking just a little bit of liberty here. So please, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But what if when Paul prayed three times and asked Jesus to remove the thorn in his flesh, maybe Jesus said, Paul, I have been in your shoes. I know your suffering. I know what it is to ask for the thorn to be removed from the flesh and to ask my father that the cup would pass. But rather than take it away, I want to use this moment to give you grace and strength like you've never known before. Now, boy, think about this for a minute. And they can begin to play softly. What if, what if, just maybe, you are sitting there today and you're at your wit's end and you don't know what to do? What if you were to just cry out to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, help me. I don't know what to do. And he comes close to you. And he says, child, I know what it is to suffer. And I know what it is to want to be delivered from this pain. But my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And my power works best in weakness. Stand with me today. I want to tell you one more thing this morning. And it's just simply this. You're going to make it. If you're in Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you walk with Jesus on a daily basis, you are going to make it. And I didn't say this in the first service, but if you're in this room today or if you're watching us online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with him right now, today. Amen? And then you can know that grace and that power that only being in a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. And so we're practicing social distancing. We're not going to have you come down to the altar today, but what I can have you do is I can have you maybe just take the hand of your family member. If you're sitting with your family, grab your hand of your family member this morning. We can agree in little groups of two or three or four or five. And if there's something that you're facing today, I want to agree with you and just believe that you're going to find that hope and that strength and that grace and that Jesus is going to speak peace to you today. And he's going to come into the middle of that circumstance and you're just going to know that everything is going to be okay according to his will and his plan. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.